Imagine not knowing what your income would be each week. Financial planning would be a nightmare. Almost 90% of Vision's income is free will donations. When supporters commit to monthly giving, it provides greater certainty when budgeting for regular expenses and weighing up new opportunities that arise. Knowing we can rely on regular gifts each month takes some of the guesswork out of operating a faith ministry. Monthly givers who share our mission are called Visionary Extra Mile Partners. And right now, you're invited to join this growing group of faithful supporters. The amount of your tax-deductible monthly gift is completely up to you. What is most important is knowing that you are standing with us to reach Australia for the gospel. Click the banner at vision.org.au or in the Vision app to find out more about becoming a Visionary Extra Mile Partner. It only takes a few minutes, but will have an eternal impact. Vision. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Well, of course, it is the 99th anniversary of the Anzacs arriving there at Gallipoli. And uh, as we're reflecting on those big issues to do with our Australian heritage today, uh, great to be able to welcome back to the studio Cole Stringer, who's an author and a preacher, but some of his best-known books are all about our Anzac heritage, uh, one called 800 Horsemen. He's also written a tribute to the likes of Fighting Mackenzie. And also his latest book is called The Anzac Spirit. Cole, welcome back to 2020. Thanks very much. Good to be here. Cole, when we talk about the heritage of Australia, Anzac Day is the day when we reflect on the character of Australia, the way we have been forged, uh, not because of good things that we uh, were involved in developing and initiatives, but in a time when there was bloodshed and uh, the character of bravery uh, was certainly a part of our heritage. When you reflect on Anzac Day, what sort of things come to mind that helped to forge that idea of an Australian character? Well, first of all, um, you know, just touching on Anzac Day, it's possibly, possibly the most uh, uh, important day in the Australian calendar, perhaps short of Christmas. You can go anywhere in this country you like, no matter how large the town is or how small it is, Somewhere there'll be a monument to the Anzacs. You can go to the outback, uh, there might be a pub and a police station, but I guarantee you there'll be an Anzac monument there somewhere. It stops the nation. What other, you know, day actually stops the nation? And uh, I, I was just thinking about that before. You know, it, it's part of our psyche. People from overseas don't understand it. I, a lot of people ask me, what is it about that? But it's, it is part of our psyche. And uh, I, I just believe anyway, uh, as when we became an, uh, grew up, you know, 1914, when the First World War broke out, we were 13 years old as a, as a nation. That's the youngest nation on the planet at that stage. 13 is traditionally when Jewish boys become men at 13. We became, uh, I, I believe we grow up as a nation at, at, at that First World War. Interesting when you say uh, this, you know, back to 1914, of course, uh, Gallipoli 1915, we are still a young nation. And yes. these events that we are remembering today, these are not events of hundreds of years ago or in, right. in, in the history of some nations, you know, a thousand years ago when these things took place. Uh, we're, we're remembering just 99 years ago, Gallipoli. And uh, yes. things like that, I guess, are still fresh in our memories. Well, well that's right. And as I say, uh, particularly because, uh, 
you know, we weren't even sure. All of our guys were, were volunteers. There were no conscripts. The only country in the world, all the, the, the people were volunteers. No other country, you know, no conscripts. And uh, it's just part, I, I believe, again, of our psyche there. And you look back at those early days, those young guys, you know, it was 1914. It wasn't 1514 they shipped out. 44,000 light horsemen were shipped out from Albany in Western Australia. The last, you know, the uh, last gum trees and smell of the eucalypts that many of those young guys would have ever had. If you go to Albany today, there's a huge bronze um, memorial to the light horse. There's a museum there. Uh, there's pictures all around the world, and they call it the Great Adventure, but many of those young men would never have come home again. And some were as young as 14 years old. And, of course, when we're remembering the history, it's one thing to remember an event or a battle. Uh, but there are, even today, uh, being uncovered, those sorts of manuscripts and diaries uh, from those fighting men yes. who went off to war. And so, in one sense, this is not history that has been completed and it's all there uh, under glass. Yes. Uh, this is still something that is being uncovered today and our history is continuing to be uh, rewritten insofar as the memoirs of those who were a part yes. of those battles are still coming to light. Well, also, I, I think that uh, the further we get from it, the more important it seems to be to this generation. Like John Howard was saying when he was Prime Minister, he was at Gallipoli and he said, you know, I don't understand it. 17,000 young people pay their own fares to sit there on a beach, you know, cold uh, dawn morning. He said 20 years ago we probably wouldn't have got 500 people. Now you even have to have a ballot system for this next year of those that can go because there's simply too many people want to go. And I, I, I go to schools. I, I speak a lot, you know, to high schools. Last year I spoke at uh, one of the country shows on Anzac Day. Not Christian, 5,000 people there. I'm just talking about... You know, the Anzac spirit, what does it really mean? Uh, while we're even maybe touching on that, you know, there are people in the church that sort of adhere to more of a pacifist philosophy. They think that we shouldn't fight. Well, I don't find that anywhere in Scripture for a start. Paul talks about the army of God. He talks about salute your brother. He says fight the good fight of faith. It actually goes on to say that we should serve, you know, endure hardship as a good soldier. But the only man, this is what I say, even to the young, the only man Jesus ever commended for his faith was a Roman army officer. So if it's so wrong to defend your country, if it's so wrong to defend your family, surely Jesus should have taken him to task and told him what a scumbag he was. And instead of that, he holds him up as an example. He says, I've not found faith anywhere in Israel like this man. Those who take a position on pacifism or the rejection of the idea that it is a Christian value to fight in a war, they often come back to uh, uh, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill. But I guess context is there, uh, which is very important, thou shalt not murder. But going off to war to defend your values and your nation isn't the same as murder. It's a defending of your family. Well, Nehemiah chapter 4, I love that passage. I use it in men's meetings. Uh, the heritage of his nation has been in ruins for 150 years. And so God speaks to Nehemiah. Usually it's just one man, one lady. It's not a gang. It's not a mob. You know, really, we're really a gutless generation now because we've got to have a gut, a mob or a gang before we'll do anything, you know, but just one man. So he speaks to Nehemiah. And Nehemiah takes the young men and stands them in front of their own families. Nehemiah chapter 4, around about verse 16, 15. And he says, 
if you won't fight for any other reason, then fight for your sons and your daughters and your homes and your families. Now, if it's so wrong, he actually says he stood the young men in front of their own families. And in the current context, he would be saying whether we live, whether we die, whether we win, whether we lose, depends on not whether you'll fight. And if you won't fight for any other reason, then fight for your sons and your daughters and your homes and your families. So the, the heritage of his nation's in ruins for 150 years. But when the men stand up and fight for their, nation, for their, for their families, it's restored in 52 days. Let's talk briefly about liberty, about freedom, because when we talk about standing up for our nation, uh, we bring that closer to home when we talk about standing up for our families. There is a sense in which at the present time, if you're looking around the world to those uh, different conflicts that are going on where Australian soldiers are still involved in some of those, uh, there's also an internal battle that's going on in Australia about liberty and about freedom. Those are things too we, while we have been moulded by the Anzac spirit, we need to make that application even to the issues that try to rob us of our freedom here at home. Well, again, I think we just need to have that... But we may not be under threat of invasion like Second World War with the Kokoda, New, New Guinea. I've just finished a book on that. So here's these young militia. They're not even regular army. They're conscripts. Some of them were rejects from the armed forces. They're taken. They're dropped out, taken out of Australia, dropped into the most inhospitable terrain in the world called the Kokoda Track. They're going to fight an army that's never, forget what the Americans said, never been defeated in land combat. They outnumber our guys 10 to 1. And many of the young men, you know, that were fighting there, they never volunteered to even been there. But if you go to Ishurava today, one of the most bloody battlefields there, where these young conscripts stopped the Japanese cold. I mean, never been defeated in land combat. Many of these young men had never fired a shot in combat. If you go there, there's a monument to the Anzac spirit, and it simply says four words. One says courage, one says mateship, one says sacrifice, one says endurance. All of those are biblical principles. Every one of those principles are, you can find in the Bible. Courage. The Bible talks a lot about courage. God's not given us a spirit of fear, one of power and of love, sound mind. The righteous are as bold as a lion. It's going to take courage to be a Christian in these last days. It's going to be take courage to stay married in these last days. I mean, you and I both know without wanting to get you a lot of ugly letters, you can see what's happening in our nation. You can see what's coming down the corridors. Somewhere along the line, we have to have the, the guts to stand up and fight for our families, our homes, our children, our grandchildren. Somebody has to do it. You know, they accuse us of all sorts of ugly things, of homophobia. All I'm saying is, but what about the family? What's going to happen to the family, the next generation, if we just continue on the way we're going? What, what, what's the future for the home, the family, our sons and daughters? Now, we may not be under threat of invasion by the Japanese, but we are, our nation is under threat. It's a spiritual threat this time, but it's no less we still need the courage, we need the mateship, we need the sacrifice, we need the endurance that those young men had. I like to tell the young Aussies, that same spirit that was on your Anzac forefathers is on you. That same blood that flowed in their veins flows in you. The battle is simply different, that's all. It's a different battle. Those virtues uh, that you talked about that are a part of the forging of our character, they are, when we think about an Anzac Day, they're affecting us all because when we participate in a commemoration, 
uh, we're actually participating in those virtues. We're participating in what our forefathers have won for us. Yes. And uh, without even having to try, we're, we're perceived to be courageous yes. and uh, to have those uh, wonderful virtues. Our special guest is Cole Stringer, author and preacher, and he has a new book out. You might be familiar with some of his earlier books when it comes to the Anzac spirit. Of course, one of them is called 800 Horsemen. Because he did a tribute to the great fighting Mackenzie, and you have a new book out, Cole. Tell us about the Anzac spirit. Well, um, it's, it's it's basically on the, the the Battle of Kokoda, where our nation virtually was under threat of invasion by the Japanese. Like uh, we don't even have a standing army. The Japanese have swept down through Indochina. They've taken, you know, Indonesia. They're coming across the Owen Stanley Ranges, and they eventually they get to see the lights of Port Moresby. If they can take Port Moresby, they can launch an invasion of this country. Now, it may not mean a lot down here, but when you live in the Northern Territory where we used to live, I mean, you're just 300 miles from from Indonesia, you know. I can remember when we moved up there in the 60s, our our air defence on a good day was a Cessna with two shotguns. So, you know, you still feel very vulnerable. But these young men were virtually fighting, you know, for our nation perhaps the first time, and they're going to fight an army that's never been defeated in land combat, uh, outnumber our young men 10 to 1, but they stopped the Japanese cold. I love what I got a quote here from one Japanese officer, and he says, he says, I just saw a young Australian running at us with nothing, wearing nothing but a pair of shorts. He said, you know, just running straight as, actually it was a, a man that won the Victoria Cross, uh, Bruce Kingsbury, but took out something like 33 Japanese, one man on his own, won the Victoria Cross posthumously. But he says, uh, you know, I couldn't understand that. He says, but it must be the motivation. Our men were fighting, you know, for the army, but the Australians were fighting for their families. And so you can begin to see, I really believe the hand of God. Uh, I actually do believe the hand of God saved our nation. You know, even General Douglas MacArthur, the great American general in charge of the Allied forces, this is what he says to these young uh, Anzacs as they're going up to Kokoda to fight the Japanese. He says, by some act of God. By some act of God, your brigade has been chosen for this job. The eyes of the Western world are upon you. I have every confidence in you. He says, good luck, don't stop. So these young men are going to take on, as I say, an army that's never been defeated in in, in land combat at that stage. If you get to, as I shared in the last segment, to Kokoda, many of our young men go there today, you know, but at one battlefield, Ishurava, it has a monument of the Anzac spirit. And four words, four separate monuments. One says courage, one says mateship, one says sacrifice, one says endurance. All of those are biblical principles. What I love about it, every one of those things Jesus exhibited on the cross. Of course, on a day like today, most people are focusing on Gallipoli. Uh, But in recent times, uh, those battles on the Western Front in Europe are coming to the fore. And your latest book there about the Kokoda track and the battles of Kokoda, uh, this adds too to the the richness of this heritage and our understanding of what happened there in Papua New Guinea. And uh, it's certainly not to be forgotten. Well, my dad fought. My, my uncle won the military cross on Kokoda. So it's very relevant to me. My grandson just joined the army, so I've actually given him the book, you know, be able to pass that heritage on. But a lot of people don't know that even on Kokoda, I mean, they're having prayer services. Here's a, an actual photograph of a, a prayer meeting on Kokoda. It says here, I've never heard a company of men sing as those men sung that Sunday morning. 
I'm sure that never before or since I've ever been so moved by a gathering of people as I was this morning. It seemed that every man felt it was on the precipice of a great unknown. Uh, some of the commanding officers were born-again Christians. One man here, Captain Ralph Honor, it talks about here, he says here, uh, at heart a romantic, deeply religious soul, never missed church. One of the other commanders on Kokoda there, George Vassy, he talks about that the lives of these young men are resting in his hands. So he said, I would go into my tent to be alone with my God, that I could pray and get the wisdom and hear God in those battles. So I really believe, you know, it was more than just the courage of those young men. I believe it was the grace of God that saved our nation. I mean, you imagine what had happened if the Japanese had, had won there. They would have launched an invasion of Australia. We would have been bombed from Port Moresby in any case. But, you know, uh, I love it when I'm reading some of these things, and it, it begins to show you the other side, because particularly like um, you talk to people that don't have any Christian background at all, they, they sort of don't understand there's anything remotely Christian or spiritual in any of these things at all. But if you think about that, like, uh, for instance, you know, one of the things that on the Anzac spirit is mateship. Mateship is a biblical principle. Jesus said, greater love is no man than this, and he lay down his life for his friends. I love this when J.B. Phillips, you know, the translator of the New Testament, when he translated the New Testament, he wrote, what we're seeing here is in the early church, valiant and unspoiled, ordinary men and women gathering together in a unique fellowship, an unconquerable fellowship never seen on earth. He says, note these words, an unconquerable fellowship. We still call a gathering within a church a fellowship. He says what we term that New Testament, it meant a close mateship. He uses the term, a close mateship, where these people lay down their lives for each other. And so you begin to see that in a military term. In fact, you know, uh, in we've pastored the United States as well as Darwin. I've probably had at least 100 military officers in my church at different times. And I spoke to many of them, not once, not even once have I found one that said, have I found the same level of mateship in the church I found in the military, where you laid your life on the line for each other? You know, how sad is that? that you know, you would think that the, it would be wonderful if the military were looking at the church, but the church is looking at the military. Uh, I don't know if you remember a few years ago on 60 Minutes, it was this uh, program, uh, Snowy Wilson, this Ocker Aussie, and he's got a mate, uh, uh, Bill Coolborough, jet black Aboriginal from Palm Island. And they'd served together in Vietnam. And now years later, Bill Kulbara develops diabetes, needs a kidney transplant. So Snowy Wilson finds out, he rings him up and says, you're my mate. If you take anybody else's kidney but mine, you get a bunch of fives up to Hooter. And so 60 Minutes is doing a program. They're lying side by, uh, it was, uh, what's his name? Um, Ray Martin. Ray Martin, that's it. <laughs> but they're laying in the hospital side by side and they're speaking to him. He says, and the, and the surgeon takes his mask off and he's got tears in his eyes and he says, you know what he said? You guys have got something very special. He says, with all of my influence, with all of my money, I don't have a mate that at the drop of the hat would give me a, a kidney. And so Snowy Wilson says, well, we're mates. We've been mates for half our lives. Not, not the first time we've faced death together. We, you know, in Vietnam, we went down the trench, the, the, the tunnels together. We ate each other's food. We wore each other's clothes. We're mates. That's what mates do. He said, it's my kidney. I want him to have my kidney. And so the, the surgeon says, well, what about if the transplant doesn't take? He says, well, I've only got one other one. I don't love him enough to give him that one as well. <laughs> but I love that. I love that Ocker spirit. But, I mean, here you've got two rough, as rough diamonds. And at the drop of the hat, 
he's prepared to give him a kidney. Now, isn't that laying down your life? I mean, not just make inconvenience yourself, like maybe in the church, lay down your life for your friends. In the military, these guys lay their lives down for each other. On Kokoda, one of the battles, Ishirava, I think it is, uh, you know, there's a battle going on and 30 wounded. One man's got an arm blown off. Another one's blind. And they hear the battle start and they turn, they go back again. And the, the military, the, the medical orderly says, you can't do that. And I said, y- you do. You don't leave your mates. He said, well, what are you going to do? And he says, well, I can load rifles. I can do something. But you never leave your mates. Can you imagine if we could get that into the modern you know, society today where it's every man for himself. It could be an important year ahead because as we get into our 100th year, uh, towards the 100th anniversary next year of uh, the landing at Gallipoli, uh, these sorts of values are the sorts of things that perhaps we need to be talking about uh, because there is a, a pinnacle, I guess you could say. It'll be the the highlight. Uh, things have been growing and working towards this 100th anniversary for next year uh, where these sorts of values, these sorts of ideals are uh, really to be cemented into our Australian heritage. Well, I, I think we've lost mateship. I don't think we even understand the term. Uh, the politicians have hijacked the term, you know, uh, uh, the same in the in in newspapers. We don't even understand the term anymore. I think it, we we sort of think mateship is what we can get out of it rather than what we can put into it. My mum and dad were married to each other for seventy two years. They were only Christians for ten years. Seventy two years to each other. Mm. You know, I've never I never heard my parents ever use the term divorce, murder, lots of times. But you know, I asked my dad. My dad was dying in his nineties, and I'm sitting on his bed, and he said, "I don't want to be here anymore." I said, Dad, how can you stay married to the same lady for 72 years? And he said, just learn to be less selfish. Now, see, I I don't mean I'm not criticizing, but this generation have lost that. It's a generation that's me first, everything. You know, I'm not saying everybody. Take the military. I was talking to one of the guys. We gave 600 books to the military, you know, and I'm talking to the commanding officer. I said, well, what do you look for with these young guys when they came? SAS it was. And he says, well, you know, they've got to have certain qualifications. They've got to have certain education. They've got to have certain physical. But after that, he said, we have to have young men with the Anzac spirit. He said, the problem with this generation, very well educated, but very individualistic, very self-centered. It's all about me. He said, that sort of person will get themselves killed and somebody else killed. These guys got to go into combat knowing full well that the person behind you is watching your back, not his own back. He said, that's the greatest problem we have with this generation, to find people that will lay down their lives for their friends. So as we commemorate Anzac Day today, there is a sense in which we can reflect on those virtues that have helped to create the character of the nation of Australia, of the men and women of Australia. But at the same time, what you're saying, Cole, is it shines a light on our own weaknesses and our own inadequacies today. When we look at our own selfishness, our materialism, uh, those things that are are keeping us down and uh, not showing forth those uh, virtues of the Anzacs. But, uh, Cole, wonderful hearing your insights today and uh, to point people to your new book called The Anzac Spirit, and it'll be available through ucbdirect.com.au as well as can, your other books. Can I just tell them sure. I'll be at Margaret Court's Church on Sunday. Uh, I'll be doing the Anzac services at Osborne Park, Victory Life Church in, uh, WA. in, in WA on Sunday. Wonderful to have you with us today, Cole, and uh, uh, all the best as you commemorate Anzac Day and uh, on your journey to WA. Thank you. 
Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.